Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Gabe Ramirez, Hub Arkish on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Just like the song says, we're talking OPP, other people's professional sports teams, that is. And to do that, joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, we get to talk to my friend. I love this. Alex Gold, host of Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Kansas City. He's also my co-host on Chalk Talk here on the BetQL Network, run by Odyssey. What's up, Alex? What's up, bro? I love when you get to hey, come on my show. On, man? It's uh, Yeah, no, thanks for the invite. Good to talk with you. I'm just glad we got some some football on the horizon here this week. Full slate of, I know it's preseason, but you know what? It's I'm, I'm kind of sick of already being up and watching training camp. I need, a, I need to see a game before I can get back to practice. You know what I mean? Hub, here's the thing. When Alex and I do our show on Saturdays, whenever we talk football, Hub, he just has this poop-eating grin on his face because he gets to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, I have to just put my hand in my face and talk about the Chicago Bears. But fortunately, the two of them are going to be playing on Saturday. Are we going to get any starters from the Kansas City Chiefs, Alex? Or is this going to be like second string and third string from the beginning? Well, I think you'll get a look at some. Now, we won't know officially till tomorrow. Uh, the Chiefs did not have practice today, so we'll be up at practice tomorrow, and, and that'll be something that Andy Reid Certainly, what will be asked if you go back and look at kind of how he normally handles preseason, he still comes from that old school mindset. So he's usually not the type that's just going to rest everybody like we've seen uh, some coaches choose to do. So I even think, you know, barring a shift, I, I think Mahomes will play. Now it might be a series, you know, it might it might be five plays, might be three plays, something like that, depending on how the first series goes. But yeah, I think you'll see some starters out there on, on Saturday afternoon for sure. Yeah, Alex, I, I just hope whenever you think about the Bears, you say a few uh, Hail Marys for them, giving you Mahomes and taking Trubisky, you know. It's a, um, seriously, though, I, you know, Patrick Mahomes is obviously one of the three, four best quarterbacks in football, and it's not as if he had a bad year last year, but he was not Patrick Mahomes for the most part the second half of the season. It, you know, it was just it was a slight, you know, miss here and there. Uh, but any any concern? I mean, I've read a few articles about you know the league maybe starting to catch up with him, and, and maybe there need to be some adjustments on the Chiefs end. Uh, anything you're hearing along those lines? I mean, it's definitely been a talking point uh, here in Kansas City trying to figure out what happened still in that second half of the AFC title game against Cincinnati. And I think, you know, no doubt Cincinnati and, and what they were doing and, and only rushing three certainly impacted Mahomes. I also just think, guys, it was flat out his worst half of football he's probably played since, I mean, ever, right? I mean, I'm not going back to his college days even. I mean, it's the worst half of football that he's, that he's played. And so I think it's a combination of the two there. 
Um, but here the, the question is, you know, without Tyreek Hill, is there a scenario while there might be less explosive without Tyreek, but is there a way that for Mahomes to help him in some of those situations, could they actually be a little bit more effective in terms of not as predictable with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill to where, hey, is there a Demarcus Robinson option where last year in the overtime period against the, it's the Bengals in the AFC title game, the first two throws prior to the interception in overtime went to Demarcus Robinson, you know, the team's fourth wide receiver. This year, their fourth wide receiver, who is that? Is that Sky Moore, the rookie? If so, that's a, that's a massive upgrade. Even if it's uh, someone further down the depth chart, it's a massive upgrade. So there's a the thought that they're deeper at wide receiver, um, but everybody still wants to know uh, if the big plays are going to be there for Kansas City without Tyreek Hill. And that, that's something we're all going to find out here. I, I still think the production number-wise at the end of the season, guys, for Patrick Mahomes, I still think he's throwing for over 4,200 yards. I don't think suddenly he's going to be a guy that's going to not put up big numbers, not to mention um, you bring up Trubisky uh, when, you, when you first started talking to me there. I mean, this is a don't. guy that we know remembers. Don't, know bring, don't bring up Trubisky. <laughs> <laughs> we, know, we know he remembers, right? We know he remembers that. He was kind of on his fingers. Like, he hears the noise, even if he won't ever say it publicly. I think he's going to be as motivated as ever based off of what you're saying, which is the narrative around him that maybe people have figured him out. And, and can he still get it done without Tyreek Hill? He's Alex Gold from Cody and Gold. Heard 10-2 on 610 Sports Kansas City. Also my co-host on Chalk Talk on the BetQL Network. You know, you, 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 you and I, we spoke about Patrick Mahomes and what his season is going to look like in terms of distributing the football to the talented core that he has. I'm, but I'm curious about Travis Kelsey. I mean, obviously he benefited from, you know, obviously the talent that they had on the roster last year. Do you feel like he's going to regress a little bit? Or do you feel like he's going to step up and take a bit of the brunt of the offensive production for the, for the Kansas City Chiefs? So this is something that, that we, my co-host and I have gone locally back and forth on and whether or not at some point you know, there, there's going to be regression just due to his age, right? And, and I thought last year was going to be the year. Well, of course, that wasn't correct at all. I was completely wrong on that. He put together a fantastic season. And I, I think for him statistically, uh, let's say you think there's going to be a dip. So what, if he dips, what is that, 1,100 yards instead of 1,300 yards? Is it 1,000 yards instead right, of, you know right, what I mean? Right. So like that's, that's what's crazy for him. I, I don't think people here are all that concerned about Kelsey other than um, he, he, gets, you know, he, get, he gets mauled anyway, right? He gets mauled at the line of scrimmage uh, in, the, in the past, and now our team's going to just beat him up even more. It's why we even were talking locally about uh, the new emphasis on illegal contact. Uh, penalties that, that the NFL claims are going to emphasize. And is there a way that you know, should I actually help Travis Kelsey a little bit? We'll see. I think a lot of times those rules emphasis that they last for four or five weeks in the season and then either players adjust or the officials kind of lay off. Something happens where we all freak out about rules emphasizing uh, early in the season and then we, we don't really talk about it as much later on. But to answer your question, no, I, I don't think Travis Kelsey's season number-wise is, is going to be a, a huge dip. I still think he's going to end up with around 1,100 yards for this offense. You know, I, I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter today or not. It, it certainly caught me by surprise, but it was kind of a fun little trivia thing. Do either of you know the only two quarterbacks in the NFL over the last five years to throw six touchdowns in one game? Mitch Trubisky for sure against <laughs> Tampa Bay, right? And then... Is it Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. See, see, there's there's Gabe jumping in with the hard part first. I, I, I thought Mahomes was pretty obvious. I just forgot about Mitch's yeah. uh, uh, visit for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mitch. 
Hey, you know, I do have another question for you, Alex, that I think is topical in, in both Kansas City and Chicago. I'm sure you're aware of the soap opera we have going on with Roquan Smith and uh, and the Chicago Bears. Uh, you guys have had an interesting one with Orlando Brown, uh, who, you know, initially not at all happy about the franchise tag, uh, wants a new deal, uh, handling it, I think, very differently from, from the way Roquan has. Uh, where Where is that story and that negotiation at with the Chiefs? So, I mean, at this point, it, it's kind of done because he, he showed up to, to camp a little bit late, but he only missed one padded practice. And, you know, he spoke at the podium, and, and he seems like he's in a good space uh, mentally at this point heading into the season because he's got so much to gain if he goes and has a healthy season. And if he improves on where he was at, he wants to be the highest-paid left tackle in football. He's nowhere near the best left tackle in football. So he's got all kinds of motivation to go out and make himself some money, whether it's in Kansas City next offseason if they try to revisit negotiations or if Kansas City moves on from him. So it's actually uh, – it, it didn't last as long as we thought. We thought maybe he would drag this thing up until you know August 20th or so uh, and perhaps even put week one in doubt a little bit. But that's not been the case at all. He actually looks a little bit thinner, seems to be in pretty good shape. So that's kind of calmed down. It'll no, no doubt be in the backdrop of the season a little bit just based on his performance. And if he goes out and, and performs like a top five left tackle, then then I think in the offseason it'll be once again a very interesting conversation. Would the Chiefs uh, be willing uh, to give him the type of money he was asking for, or are they just dead set on not paying that kind of money? You know, they, They've kind of shifted their philosophy, unless your name is Patrick Mahomes, as we saw with the Tyreek Hill uh, contract situation, which it ultimately led them to trade him. If your name's not Patrick Mahomes – um, they're, they're usually not going to pay you the highest dollar amount at your position. They're, they've kind of changed their philosophy here a little bit, and I think that's also what's been going on when it comes to Orlando Brown Jr. So, yeah, quite a bit different than Roquan Smith, the, the guy that for a while people in Kansas City were talking about, and maybe not as much now with Carlos Dunlap being signed, was uh, myself included really wanted uh, Robert Quinn to get traded over to Kansas City, but, but uh, that doesn't seem like it's all that likely. Stop taking our players, bro. Stop taking our players. He's Alex Gold. <laughs> From 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, joining us here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Hub Arkish. Alex, let me let me talk to you about the rest of the AFC. I mean, it just seems like such, such a tough, tough conference. What other teams scare you? I mean, obviously, you're a true fan. I mean, despite the fact that you work on in radio over there, but you're a true fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. What what other teams in the AFC scare you in terms of competing against them to win the with conference? Yeah, I mean, I think it's there's no question the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills, like a lot of people would probably answer that. It's not so much the divisional teams, while it's going to be a very tough division, the toughest division maybe we've seen in, in football based off of the quarterbacks, right? Um, but it, the, the Chiefs have controlled that division for six years. Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost a, a road divisional game in his career. So to me, it's got to be outside the division. And it's Cincinnati where Joe Burrow is 2-0 and against Kansas City. Uh, yes, the Chiefs were up big at halftime on Cincinnati, but – Still, I think if you're talking about Cincinnati this year and the Chiefs playing them another year, which they are on the regular season schedule, Joe Burrow has a chance to go 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. So the, the narrative around that, that's a team that I, I think still has to scare you. And then Buffalo, just because we've seen these teams play in some classics time and time again, we all know the 13-second drive from the AFC divisional round last year. Those are really the only two teams that, I guess, quote-unquote, scare you. I mean, even some Chiefs fans would probably roll their eyes at me saying Buffalo just because they say, well, the Chiefs haven't lost to him in a postseason. Do they scare you? But I think there's got to be a ton of respect for Josh Allen and the Bills, considering I think the Bills considerably have the, the best roster in the AFC, if not in the entire NFL. 
Hey, Alex, I'm going to give you one that you may never hear from anyone else in the Chicago media. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about my buddy, Matt Nagy, and, and the, uh, oh. the the prodigal son kind of coming home with his tail between his legs a little bit. I, is, is it a story at all in Kansas City? And if it is, what is the reaction there? How's that all being received? Yeah, so, I mean, so people love him here. I mean, it's, it, you, you said it. It's a completely different reaction to him. I mean, he uh, just yesterday was speaking up at the podium and like he, his family and him, they love Kansas City. They've been treated well in Kansas City. Obviously, different circumstances when you're not the head coach. We all understand the, the difference in the spotlight that happens when you're there and the, the difference between Chicago and, and Kansas City in that in some regard as well. I think, you know, for him, people here are really questioning just, all right, whenever that day comes, if it comes, quote unquote, soon enough, if Andy Reid ever decides to hang it up in the next couple of years, is he the guy that's next in line? Um, but then we all know, you know, Eric, the enemy, everybody been waiting to get a head coaching gig and he hasn't. So can you imagine the optics if Andy Reid retired in two years and Eric, the enemy still around and Matt Nagy still around and the chiefs can, they, can they leapfrog Eric, the enemy and hire Matt Nagy? No, I don't think so. No. So not at all. So that's kind of an interesting one. Other than that, it honestly doesn't get brought up a whole lot other than who's going to get the credit this year, because um, when things go well, of course, Andy Reid, uh, gets a lot of credit. Eric Bieniemy tends to not to. Uh, when things go poorly, people blame Eric Bieniemy. So I'm even convinced this year, if things are going well, uh, Matt Nagy is going to get a ton of credit and not Eric Bieniemy. It's kind of the sad reality of what's gone on uh, with Eric Bieniemy and, and his ability to become a head coach. But a Bieniemy Matt Nagy tandem sounds pretty good. If you were to think of someone to lead your offense, not that not, 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 not that we're saying that in Chicago. I'm saying you guys over there in Kansas City, please, by all means, sure, do a Bieniemy sure, Maggie thing. I mean, it's just if you're Eric Bieniemy, what are you thinking at that point in time, right? Yeah, get rid of him. That's what I would think if I was Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> let me let me throw something in real quick yeah. for you guys though, yeah. because I'm I'm sure. gonna totally disagree with you. I think that if that scenario did arise in a couple of years. Matt Nagy would probably be the preferable choice based on. Oh, I agree. Based on his, yeah. Four, yeah, his four years as a head coach, his winning record, his NFL Coach of the Year award, his two trips to the playoffs in Chicago. Again, I, I get the Chicago story. Nobody's trying to rewrite history, but yeah. the way this is viewed outside of Chicago, as opposed to Bieniemy, there is a reason that Eric Bieniemy has not gotten a head coaching job. And, mm. and I'm not saying it's fair, and I'm not saying it's right, but he has had the opportunity to interview, not getting jobs. Yes, yeah. Other other teams have done their homework and chosen not to interview. I. I would think that in that scenario that, that that not only could it happen, but that Matt would probably be the front runner. Sure, but I, and I hate to be the guy to bring race into the situation, but if Eric Bieniemy was leapfrogged by Matt Nagy after someone that's been in that system for a while, I think that would be the number one story right there, where you'd have a guy who had a failed tenure for the Chicago Bears, despite the amount of seasons he was the head coach, to then leapfrog Eric Bieniemy, someone that's been sought after, regardless of how he's done in the interview process. I think that would be the issue. And something that people would like. I know. Again, I hate to be that guy to bring that up. No, you're good. I mean, I, if you were to if you were to ask me to place a bet on if if Andy retired in the next two years and both those guys are still around, who would be the 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 preferred candidate by even a lot of Chiefs fans? I, I think you're correct on Matt Nagy, but it's just if if you're Clark Hunt, the Chiefs owner, after getting up there the last couple of years talking about how much you've told other owners they should hire the guy and everything, and then you got a chance <laughs> to hire the guy and you don't. I mean, just, ooh, that's just brutal. That's horrible. All right, before we get out of here, because we work on the gambling show, so i got to get this take from you. <laughs> Are the Bears winning on Saturday? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's all I yeah. wanted to I hear. Think, I think, I think that it's a preseason game. <laughs> One of the Bears, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I, last check, 
yeah, I think they do just because I, I'm, I'm assuming you guys know more than I do on what the Bears' plan is for this game uh, as far as playing. I just get the, the sense that, you know, there's some teams that perhaps um, are going to approach the game a little bit differently than the other. And I, I just, yeah, I, I don't expect the Chiefs to win the game on, uh, on Saturday. A win is a win. Alex, thanks for hanging out with us today, man. I appreciate you jumping on uh, this late in the evening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Great time to you. Of course, Alex Gold. Uh, he is on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, as well as my co-host on Chalk Talk every Saturday at 6 p.m. Central Time on the BetQL Network. Make sure to check that out. Hub, I'm a gambling guy, so Alex and I, we we love talking about money and how we can make it over there on Chalk Talk. Do you get, you see, I know you don't do fantasy a lot and, and pick but do you do you have any apps that you're out there uh, gambling on? Yeah, you know, Gabe, I don't because I've always just hated the losing so much more than I enjoy the winning. <laughs> it's it's never really been a problem for me, and I'm just sitting here kind of smiling because apparently you guys are ready to bet on whether or not Nathan Peterman is going to beat Shane Buscelli yes. and Dustin Crum. Yes, you know? we are. We've, uh, we've been without football for long enough, Hub. Put, some, put $10 on something just so the game could be interesting for me. I absolutely I love it. I know guys who are into it who tell me that the preseason games are actually easier to win betting than, than regular season. I don't know how that would be. Me either. Uh, but I have friends who are into it who insist that's the case. So, you know, that shows you what I don't know. I know. And, and knowing me, whatever I bet is going to lose anyway. So I, I, clearly I need to talk to your friends a little bit, a little bit more often. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Hub Arcus. We still got some more Bears football to talk. I think it's important leading up to this game on Saturday against the Kansas City Chiefs that we talk about. Who is going to be playing? What guys, what positions specifically are the Chicago Bears going to be looking at and evaluating harder than the others? I'll ask Hub Arcus that question on the other side. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm looking forward to a lot. I'm just playing in the Bear Stadium, you know, Soldier Field. It's just, you know, getting that first feeling out. You know, just want to hit somebody, really. Gabe Ramirez, Hub Arkish on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. That is our guy, Cesar Perez. Not only playing the music, playing some great clips right there. That's Jaquan Brisker talking about his thoughts on playing his first preseason game. And that's actually what I want to talk to you about, Hub, is, I mean, we know since Poles and Iberflus have stepped into their respective position, evaluating talent but that's been of the roster that was already in place is that going to change or what do you think they're going to be looking at specifically during this first preseason game or the, the three preseason games as a whole well you know I, I Matt Eberflus has said that the starters are going to play in this first one he has not said you know whether that is one series or you know, a quarter or, or you know two series whatever it may be uh, so even though they keep talking about the way they're rotating various players into various positions in their position groups and trying to see their best combinations they have started to settle in on what the depth chart is going to look like I, I can say with some certainty that the offensive line at this point on opening day against the Niners looks like 
Braxton Jones at left tackle and Cody Whitehair at left guard and either Sam Mustafer or Lucas Patrick at center and Schofield at right guard and uh, uh, Riley Reef at right tackle, you know, and, and yet we still have all these other guys in the offensive line we're so uncertain about. So I think they'll want to see them together for a series or two. Then I think you'll probably see some extra Braxton Jones. You'll probably see a lot of Larry Borum and hopefully some Tevin Jenkins. I mean, he's coming along slow after missing a week and a half, so we don't know where he's at. Uh, I think you'll definitely see a lot of Jatari Carter at, at guard, who's one of the good stories of this camp. Uh, the wide receivers, I don't know anybody but Darnell Mooney who won't be playing the whole game in and out on Saturday because Darnell Mooney's the only one who's locked up a roster spot at this point. <laughs> right, you know? out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, um, you know, how much we see of Trevor Simeon and, and, and Nate Peterman doesn't really matter. We know Simeon's number two. I think the big question with Peterman is will they carry three on the 53 or will he be on the practice squad? Um, and then defensively, uh, uh, you know, I don't think we'll see a lot of the starters, but you certainly, whatever reps you get out of, uh, well, Kyler Gordon hasn't practiced in a week or so, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't go. Uh, but whatever reps you get out of uh, Jaquan Brisker and Dominique Robinson and uh, Kyrus Tonga and, and the new linebackers, uh, you know, and Morrow and Thomas and Adams, um, that is pure evaluation because these are guys you hope are starters or, or regular contributors, but haven't been, you know, for the most part to this point in their careers. And so um, th- this week one is going to be evaluating the middle and the bottom of the roster. And then I think when you get to week two uh, and probably week three, because they did change something this year, there's going to be a full week off after the last exhibition right. game. So, you know, I think in week two and week three is where they really start to focus in more on the guys that they're expecting to start and, and hopefully help them win games. He's up, Marcus. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. Hub, I feel like everyone's been focusing on the offensive line. I mean, obviously, the, there were issues last year with Justin Fields being under center and them not necessarily scheming properly. And now with Luke Getze and them talking about the offense that's going to look different, it's going to be run dominant. I mean, it's a stupid question to ask how valuable is this offensive line, but I'm curious your thoughts on the offensive line. Like, is it is, is it going to be that important to this team's success? And or do you feel like the new scheme is 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 catered towards the talent that they have on the offensive line? So so here's the number one question, Gabe. And you know, I I think everybody knows it, but it's almost like we've forgotten it since camp started. I, I'm surprised at how little time we we spend talking about Justin Fields these days. But 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 the, the number one top priority for this year has to be developing Justin Fields if he can be developed into a franchise quarterback. And I think the number one concern that most of us had throughout the offseason is that they didn't put enough around him to give him a chance to fully reach his potential, to start to climb towards his ceiling. And, and that's why the first focus is on that offensive line, because it was awful for the better part of last year. It was part of the reason he struggled as much as he did. And not only do you need better line play to evaluate him and have him have a chance to grow, you don't want to get him hurt. You know, and so um, uh, I think the offensive line is, is going to be improved through a combination of, of some of the veteran talent that you'll now have playing together and the new scheme that is designed uh, to focus on a successful running game and protect fields a little bit more. Uh, whether it's going to be good enough, uh, you know, to, to actually have the offense take a significant step forward, I think that's still a big question. You know, I, I, I still don't understand how Lucas Patrick was handed Sam Mustard 
a first job. He's a career guard who played some center <laughs> last year and didn't do anything special. I felt the you know, same and, way. <laughs> well, yeah, and I know that there's a lot of people down on Mustafer. I think unfairly in some regards. Um, uh, so you know, is that an upgrade? No, not necessarily. You know, uh, Cody Whitehair is a really solid, much better than average. I'd argue very good veteran at that left guard spot. It's the only place you're really locked down. You, you know, Riley Reef has definitely been a better right tackle than left tackle in his career, and it looks like that's where he'll be now as they try and develop uh, Braxton Jones. I'm a little disappointed because I thought for sure that Larry Borum was one of the five best, and they keep talking about finding the five best, and it looks now like he may not be starting yeah. uh, at the beginning of the year. But in Schofield and Reef and, 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 and Whitehair, and regardless of whether it is Patrick or, or Mustafer at center, you've got solid journeyman, if not better, veteran play that should lend itself nicely to at least establishing Getsy's system. They should be pretty good running the football, and hopefully that's enough to help Justin Fields because I just don't think he's going to get a lot of, you know, big plays out of this wide receiver group. You know, he'll get some out of, out of Darnell Mooney, but then we'll see the rest. The guy that I'm really high on, Gabe, is Cole Komet. I think he has a chance to be one of the better tight ends in the NFC, and I am expecting him to break out this year. Now, I'm just minorly concerned because he didn't finish practice yesterday. He didn't practice today. Uh, we do get to talk to um, uh, to Matty Berflus tomorrow. He didn't talk today, so hopefully we'll find out. I, I hope that there's not a... You know, all we're getting at this point is either a day-to-day or a longer-than-that designation with injuries. I hope that Komet's not going to have an injury that's going to disrupt his training camp because I'm really impressed with what I've seen from him the first couple of weeks. He's Hub Arkish. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. I wanted to actually ask you a couple questions about Cole Komet. First and foremost, what do you feel like is, is his weakest attribute? I mean, obviously he does a lot of things well, and we obviously – feel as though he can be a major contributor to the Chicago Bears offense. But what are those weak points? What are those those things that maybe he probably will never fix? Or, you know, what, what areas do you feel like need the most improvement, if any? Well, I, I don't know if I'd use the word weakness, but the two things that I would focus on in trying to respond to the question are, number one, People don't realize how little football he had played when the Bears drafted him. You know, he went to Notre Dame as a combo baseball football player. Uh, he didn't play much as a true freshman. Then the two years that he was the starter, um, you know, he, he put up some decent numbers, but he was just learning the position. And so when he got here, he was a great set of traits, uh, you know, great physical attributes with a guy that they had to teach. And I think the first couple of years uh, have been productive. I mean, last year he had 62 catches for 612 yards. Those are similar numbers to what Travis Kelsey had in his uh, second year, uh, not quite what, what George Kittle had in his second year. Gronk was a freak from the day he arrived. His second year he had 17 touchdowns. Uh, and, and that was the one thing that was disappointing w- w- with Cole last year is he did not get to the end zone. So, um, you know, I, I think that was point number one, and that just comes with the time that he's had now. But the second thing I would say is he, he doesn't have, he has nice speed for a tight end, but he doesn't have elite speed. He, you know, he, he doesn't run the way a Kyle Pitts does or a Darren Waller with the Raiders. Uh, and I don't know that he would beat Gronk or Kelsey in a foot race, although he'd be much closer with them. So he has enough speed to be a real factor. Um, but I don't know if he's ever going to be the seam splitter that, that surprises you and takes the top off down the middle. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at the Bears' offense, you're really just looking like, where where is the offense going to come from? Where are the points going to come from? You feel comfortable 
with David Montgomery as the running back. But you're right, it's the wide receiver group. It is Cole Komet. We have high hopes for him. But can he come through? I, I, another piece that's been added to the Bears' offense is the fullback, Kari uh, Blazengame. Is he going to make a? Is he going to be a difference maker? Is that really going to help out the run game, or do you feel like he's just a piece that's there as opposed to a fifth tight end that can kind of be set up in the backfield in a shotgun formation to help block? No, I, I think he's going to make a difference. Uh, you know, he's he's more of a specialist than an H back. Uh, you know, not just a, a blocking back, but a blocking back who's learned his whole career to block as the lead guy from that fullback position. I think they will throw him the ball once in a while. Don't expect him to be carrying the football. Um, but but that is unique to to the Green Bay offense. You know, whether it was John Kuhn or. Um, uh, you know, Baltimore, uh, you know, unique to their office with Kyle Usage, who I guess is now, is he in, he's in San Francisco now, I think. Um, but, you know, there, there are a few uh, premium fullbacks in the league, and Blasting Game's a guy who I was familiar with. You know, he, he doesn't have that, uh, you know, top three fullback designation, so to speak, but um, it's an important piece in what Luke Getze wants to do, and, and so I do expect him to make a difference. And, uh, you know, that that's going to be one of the most interesting and hopefully most fun parts is that they they have the talent in David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. And I'm really curious about both Darrington Evans, who they got off the waiver wire from Tennessee, and the rookie Tristan Ebner. Ebner, Tristan Ebner. Um, they've, they've got the scheme and the talent to be a you know top five, top eight running game in the NFL with the way they're going to commit to it if the offensive line blocks it well enough and if, if Justin uh, Fields reads it well enough. Because even though you know it's a different kind of the outside zone read is a little different, but it's still got an RPO facet to it, and you got to make all the right decisions. Um, uh, but I think they have a chance to have a very good running game, and blasting game could be an uh, integral is the word I'm going for, part in that. I would love that. I, I mean, I think the Bears, when they run the ball, the t- – it's because of what you want from the Bears. They're not going to go five wide and put up 40 points a game. So they need to work the ball down the field, make smart throws that are short and quick, and then have David Montgomery put you, and Khalil Herbert, put you in second and six, third and two kind of situations. And, and they can do just that, but it's going to be up to the wide receiver group to take you out of that third down situation to to um, obviously stretch stretch certain drives. And two guys that I'm looking at specifically, Hub, is Equinemius St. Brown and Nikhil Harry. I mean, obviously, your Darnell Moonies, your Pringles, your Velas Jones Juniors, they're hovering right around the six-foot range. But Nikhil Harry and Equinemius St. Brown, they're 6'4 and 6'5. So I guess as a fan, you hear that and you say, whoa, big targets. Throw the ball up in the air. But, you know, you had Allen Robinson last year, and Justin Fields didn't necessarily believe in that mantra of putting the ball up for your guys to go get it, specifically with Allen Robinson, do you think that's going to be different with Nikhil Harry and Equinemius St. Brown? And and do you even feel as though those guys can be different difference makers on this offense? Well, yeah, here's the thing, Gabe. We're talking about uh, Equinemius St. Brown, or EQ as they call him around Hallis Hall, has been getting a ton of love the last week, week and a half from teammates and coaches. They say he's a different guy and they expect big things from him. The problem is that the Packers invested four years in doing everything but handing him the number two receiver job, and he never became any more than a four. Yeah. You know, so he's a great young man. I, I want to see him be ter- tremendously successful, but you know, just objective analysis suggests that that may not be likely. Now you look at Nikhil Harry. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick is the goat. Anybody who wants to argue that is just ridiculous. But. <laughs> 
you know, everybody has a, a, a soft spot or, or, or maybe a blind spot, and he has never been able to develop wide receivers. You, you know, I mean, if you go back and look over the last 20-some years, I mean, you know, the, the best receivers he've had, you know, the slot guys, Wes Welker, you know, Danny Amendola, um, you know, uh, Troy Brown w- was really good for a while, but, you know, never a, what you'd consider a Pro Bowl-level type guy. Um, and they drafted Harry in the first round. Now, he did have some injuries early, but he had, what, three years there and, and, and you know, didn't show anything. Now, he was starting to turn a few heads until the other day, uh, and this is why I, I am just almost irate at times over the Bears' decision as to how they're handling injuries in training camp. I don't know who they're doing any favors for. That looked bad when he went down the other day. I mean, he needed two teammates to help him off the field. Once they got to the sidelines, he still needed help from some of the security people and trainers to get to the locker room. And and we don't know what that is, okay? Uh, So you certainly hope that it's just a sprain and that he could maybe be ready by opening day. I don't know if that's likely. And so for a guy who's coming off the struggles that he had in New England and now hoping him to suddenly emerge without, you know, any training camp or exhibition games is probably a little unlikely. So um, uh, I I hope these guys can be that guy, uh, but there's nothing in their histories to suggest that it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be tough, especially when you're still not certain, like, what, what is Justin Fields going to be? And that's my last question before we head to break right here. Hub, I'm just curious what i mean like for me personally i I think about justin fields and i say okay i heard your quote about not starting last season from the beginning and how maybe that might have affected some things and then you hear about you know obviously him being able to take first string reps from the very beginning and how much of a difference that'll make but what what truly are your expectations of justin fields this this upcoming season I expect him to take a big step forward. I, I think asking him to become a franchise quarterback in year two or with this supporting cast is unrealistic. Uh, uh, I think he will still have struggles. I think he will see things that will confuse him, but I do expect him to read and process more quickly. Um, and, and I expect him to get a better balance of plays that he makes with his athleticism and plays that he makes because of his arm talent and, and he, is, he is grasping and understanding the system. Uh, you know, one of the things that that excites me about Luke Getze is uh, you go back to the Bears trip up to Lambeau in December and the Bears pushed them all over the field the first half of the game and it looked like there might be an upset brewing and specifically they took away Devontae Adams. Well, yeah, it's Matt LaFleur's offense calling plays and it was Nathaniel Hackett's offense as the coordinator, but Luke Getze was the passing game coordinator and they went in at halftime. They made adjustments and, and Devontae Adams took over the second half of that game, you know, and so I, I think that Luke Getze has some of that in him and I think he probably will do a better job of putting uh, Justin Fields in positions to succeed than John Filippo and Matt Nagy were able to last year, and Bill Lazor for that matter. Um, but at the same time, uh, again, because it's going to be an incomplete package when you look at the talent around him, there will be games again where he will struggle, and, and, and there will be you know, times when it's one step forward, a step and a half, or two backwards. But over the course of the season, I expect him to be a lot closer to being a guy you believe you can win with by the end of the season than he was at the end last season he's hub arkish i'm gabe ramirez this is 670 score and i think you're absolutely right the bears are gonna win some games they shouldn't and they're most most definitely gonna lose some games that they shouldn't but it's gonna be interesting to watch nonetheless all right uh, on the other side of this is our last break 
And Hub, I know that, you know, you and I, this is our first time working together. Usually I like to end the show just on a lighter note. I do Twitter time. I know you're, you're, you're busy with real life stuff. And me, I just have a few extra minutes to search the interweb. So I aggregate a couple of tweets from around the, the, the Twitter sphere. And then we kind of just have an opportunity to chuckle and talk about them a little bit. Some sports, some pop culture. Uh, but we'll do that on the other side. That's cool with you, right, Hub? Oh, absolutely. My goal is to not screw it up. No, no, no. I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on Cardi B. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. All right. Well, I believe it or not, I have some. Uh, ah, she's look one at of that. my wife's favorite targets. Oh, so. look at that. I knew it. This is going to be a great segment. Twitter time. On the other side, I'm Gabriel Beers. He's Hub Arkish. This is 670 The Score. Special edition of Twitter Time today. We got Hub Barkus joining us. Now, Hub, are you a drinking guy? Do you do you, not a drinking guy, but do you drink at all? Uh, yeah, I've been known to imbibe once in a while. Okay, <laughs> I can't wait till you and I can crack a bottle or something. What are we drinking? We're drinking like red. Let me take a guess. I'm gonna take two guesses. One is like a, a Pinot Noir, something light, something easy, something not too heavy. That'll be my first guess, and then my second one would be like uh, Doers on the Rocks. Hmm. Hmm. That's pretty good, Gabe. That's uh, I actually uh, collect single malt scotches, ah. and, uh, so uh, that is always the first drink of choice. And uh, uh, my wife uh, actually thoroughly enjoys wine. I will not drink white, uh, but we have a particular Pinot that we've been uh, uh, you know having a little bit of every once in a while lately. Oh. Are you not impressed? I mean, come on. I am. That, that, was, that, was, that really was pretty a good spot call. on. That <laughs> was pretty spot on. I've, I, I used to, in my previous life, or actually not even in my previous, while I was working at B96, I also catered a lot. And so I was a bartender there. So, I, you know, I can pick a guy out and kind of tell you what they're probably going to drink. So I'm glad that I got that right. Um, you nailed it. Uh, so, so what we're doing now is Twitter Time Hub. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a light side. It's as if you had a Pinot Noir or a couple doers on the rocks. And then we get to just chat about some things that are happening in Twitter's world. So it's a little bit of pop culture, a little bit of sports. But the good thing is we get to have a good time uh, regardless of the tweet. So we'll start We'll start here. This one's from at CNBC Make It. And it's about Serena Williams. And it's quoting her. as She says, believe me, I never wanted to choose between tennis and a family. Serena Williams said in a retirement announcement. I don't think it's fair. First of all, what do you think about Serena Williams as an athlete as a whole? And then... What do you think about the fact that, you know, she she throws in the idea of not, you know, not not having the same platform as a male and needing to retire because of her family as opposed to a male who doesn't need to? Um, well, the, the first part is, I mean, she's iconic for me. I mean, you know, probably uh, I, I was really taken aback when I heard she was 41 years old. It seems like she's still in her you know early 30s, late 20s. Uh, but it takes a while to win 23 Grand Slam events. You know? So, yeah, um, uh, I, I think she's one of the greatest athletes of my lifetime and, and remarkably impressive. Um, and as far as the other, I mean, I, I guess I understand where she's coming from. You know, I, I know of many male athletes who've also chosen to cut careers short to have more family time. Uh, they obviously didn't have to take time off or cut the career short to literally produce a baby. Uh, you know, and, but but when you say it's not fair, 
uh, who, who are we blaming? Are we taking shots at God now? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to make light of this no, too no, no, much. No, no, but no, no. I, it's a fair yeah. statement, Hub. It's a fair yeah. statement. Who, who are we then complaining to if we say it's not fair at that moment? Right, right, yeah, right. I mean, that, that unfortunately is biology, Serena, and, and there's not much we can do about that. Totally understand that. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. One of the greatest athletes ever, ever. We cannot, regardless of sport, anything. I mean, she's someone that has dominated that sport for some time. And it is unfortunate. I, I mean, as obviously a, a father of two kids, you do understand what kind of toll having a child takes on a woman's body. And you do re- you genuinely understand it and see it firsthand. So, uh, of course, her mentioning that, I mean, she's had a, a great career and she'll still be obviously celebrated as such. But it'll be interesting to see what she has. Yeah, and real quick, just I, I think in fairness to her, I, I don't think she was complaining when she said it's not, not fair. All. I think she was kind of saying the same thing we are. You know, it's just kind of the way it is, and it kind of sucks yeah. for her. To- yeah, totally, totally understand on that one. Totally sure, understand. Sure. All right, next one. This one's from Ed Easton Jr. Hashtag Chiefs Matt Nagy praises Patrick Mahomes' leadership, and then he quotes him in saying, when he walks in the room, results occur because of that confidence every day in practice. That's rare. You don't come across that very much, and he makes me a better coach. <laughs> uh, what, what do you got to say about about Matt Nagy praising Patrick Mahomes? Well, I think that's all fair. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just it's obviously true. Yeah, you know, I remember I, I had several long conversations with Matt about this, and um, you know, people forget that, that the opposite of Justin Fields, Matt was the offensive coordinator. Uh, they they drafted uh, Patrick Mahomes, traded up to draft him in the first round, and then never let him on the field until week 17. And, and then you know, here they get Justin Fields, and he does the opposite. Um, and so, uh, you know, I don't think he's happy. I, I don't think I know he's not happy with the way things turned out in Chicago. Um, but I, I can tell you, Kansas City was not the only offer he had. But the chance to go back there and reestablish himself and work with Patrick Mahomes was a big selling point. And so, uh, you know, I know people always want to find a way to take a shot at Nagy, but I, I just find that as a relatively, you know, uh, honest quote. Hey, listen, I w- I'd coach Patrick Mahomes if I had an opportunity to as well. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, the next one's from Bleacher Report. This one's going into the NBA field. DeJounte Murray, I don't know if you've seen these videos, but it says DeJounte Murray is a menace at these pro-ams. So the first one was throwing the ball off the backboard, faking out rookie Paolo Boncaro, throwing it off the backboard and dunking it. And then he had two other clips where a professional NBA player during like a pro-am league is literally throwing the basketball off of the defender's head, like in the middle of the game. Are, are you a big fan of, of of a guy imposing his will on a player, or do you feel like sportsmanship should lead in every aspect of every uh, sport? Sporting game. Nah, I'm a, I'm a pretty big sportsmanship guy, and and what what got, now I may get this wrong, but when you say pro am, uh, at least if he's doing it to other pros, I'm okay with it. But if he's doing it to some of the amateurs, then I have a real problem with yeah. it because that that's just that's not. Uh, You're that's being not a bully. Handle. We don't yeah. like bullies on this yeah. station or in general. No, I mean we know you better than we are. You know you don't need to go out <laughs> and prove it and embarrass us. You know, right, so no, I, yeah, I have no no patience I, with that. I might have to find you in the back alley if you do some stuff, something like that sure, to me. Sure. All right, next one. This one is I know one of your favorites, Hub, Lady Gaga. This is from Bud, Buzzfeed. Lady Gaga got hit in the head by something while performing, and this thing needs to stop. She's quoted as saying, "How do some fans think this is okay?" And and the the segue I want to make is, I mean, obviously you've been with the score and covering sports for such a long time 
Have you ever had an incident like this where someone became unruly, whether at an appearance or at an event, where someone not necessarily threw something, but where maybe it just got out of hand or out of control? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately nobody ever got hurt, but <clears throat> I think the you know one of the best examples is that when I was you know, in my years in the Bears broadcast booth, I would travel with the team, and when we went to Los Angeles, when the Raiders were there, we'd come out of the Coliseum, uh, and the buses to get back to the airport were down a ramp where the fans could line the sides, and they would throw batteries at us. I, I got hit in the head with more than a few batteries, <laughs> and so um, you know, I, I never have had. Uh, a, a physical heckler. I, I've certainly had people at certain events who've gotten particularly difficult to ignore and vulgar, you know, and, and you deal with it in different ways. Um, but but in her case, uh, you know, to literally be hit in the head on stage while performing, what could be more inexcusable than that, you know? And I find her really interesting. She's obviously remarkably talented, and, and she is so multifaceted. I mean, she fits everywhere in almost every genre. Um, and, and, you know, good for her to speak up about it. It's obviously totally inappropriate. Little did Hub Arkish know he was going to be talking about Lady Gaga on 6-7 Discord <laughs> today, but I absolutely love it. Hub, it has been an absolute pleasure to hang out with you for these last three hours. I think that, you know, I, I feel I feel more informed as a Bear fan, but I also feel uh, closer to you as a friend. So I'm glad we got a chance to hang out today. Gabe, I really enjoyed it. I hope we, we get to do it again. And I, I do want to say I'm somewhat relieved we didn't get to the Cardi B because that's where I probably could have gotten myself in trouble. And uh, you know, I didn't want to go there. But no, this has been this has been a blast. And I would love to get together with you anytime. And by the way, I, the, the baseball was fun. We didn't get to any hockey or basketball or, or you know, wherever you want to go. So, yeah, let's do it again as I, soon as we can. I cannot wait. He's up, Arkers. I'm Gabe Ramirez. want to thank our guest today, Eric Edholm obviously covering some NFL and chatting up with us. And then, of course, my co-host on Chalk Talk on the BetQL Network, who's obviously a uh, host in Kansas City, Alex Gold. We want to thank him as well. I want to thank Cesar Perez. It was a tough day today, kind of making everything work out. But you know what? You did your thing. And 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 I can't say it. I know, we, I know we're running out of town, but I can't say it enough. It takes a special producer to go in ahead of time and cut the two hosts' names together so that they can be played, so that it sounds beautifully on the radio. Some people don't do that. So I genuinely appreciate you. Just for that alone, it lets me know that you are the true professional that everyone says you are. So, Caesar, thanks to you. Coming up next, we got BetMGM tonight. So for Hub Arkish, I'm Gabe Ramirez. Mi gente, hasta la próxima. Until next time, have a good evening. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 